Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Hello, everybody. Welcome back in to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, the podcast where we tell you everything there is possibly to know about high school football in Collier and Lee Counties. I, of course, am Adam Fisher with the Naples Daily News here with my two best friends and cousins, downtown Dustin Levy, Alex, the ghost face killer Martin, and, of course, Amanda, the chef in score, cooking up the... uh, the podcast every week in the lab for us. And Andrea Melendez, shout out to her as well, who does some dope producing on these beats. Dustin and Alex, we've made it. District titles are decided. There's two weeks left of the regular season. We are starting to talk playoffs. How exciting is that? It's really exciting, and we, we had some exciting games coming down right to the wire. So uh, I'm really looking forward to talking about some of these. Glad to see all these decided, and um, yeah, a lot of intriguing results last week. I think we know which one to start with uh, in this segment. We do. Before we do, though, I think that the question that's on everyone's mind, that the, the, the whole community of Southwest Florida is talking about, is what are you guys going to be for Halloween? Dustin, I will start with you. Oh, God. Uh, Sounds uh, like you haven't put enough thought uh, into this, my friend. It's yeah. only like five days away. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be a Florida man. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a newly minted Florida man. <laughs> going to go cause some trouble, smoke some yeah. Alex, how about you? I have not dressed up for Halloween in about 10 years. I'm so it, jealous. Maybe maybe 11 or 12. Like, I stopped dressing up when I was, like, 9. I'm jealous. That's very sad. Yeah. Um, but I'm jealous <laughs> of you and sad that you guys are not taking advantage. Halloween in your late 20s is the best because you don't have responsibilities. You can dress up whatever you want to. You can go out to the bars, to the, the grown-up Halloween parties. Now i got to dress up for whatever my daughter wants me to dress up as and go around. I do get to eat all their candy, though, so that's very nice. So my advice to you guys is find a costume. You're going to be Duke Kaboom again this Not year? Not again. I'm going to be a muscle man. We're dressing up as like circus people, so like ringleader, muscle man, lion. Um, I don't know what my daughter's being. Um, I should probably figure that out. My wife's got a got a, handle on it. Yeah, yeah, she does that. <laughs> just just so. go to Hammond Stadium and pick up that costume. From what? The Mighty Muscles. The oh. Muscle Man. <laughs> That's a, a different kind of muscle, but he is very muscly. So let's get into football. As Alex said, um, some district champions, and I want to start with the hottest team in Southwest Florida, maybe the best team in Southwest Florida, team that cannot lose, won four straight games, six out of seven. Their only two losses this year, or three losses, I'm sorry, were all by single digits. The Estero Wildcats cannot be stopped. Alex, as a proud alumni, alumnus, how shocked are you? Uh Kind of, but not really. You know, it was one of these districts. I mean, I talked about it uh, Friday night in a form. It's kind of like the ACC. You know, if if we were to put you know put conferences to uh, certain districts here, very um, cloudy district. Very. Um, I think cloudy is a great word you use right there. Very. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A euphemism for it. Not the yeah. best. I mean, let's be honest. Like this was anybody's thing. These teams we thought were kind of down this year, and Estero took advantage with that great offense we saw on Friday. We heard that from pretty much all the coaches, Dustin and I did at media day. Like everybody was like, "This district's a toss up. Like anybody can win this district." And sure enough, it was, you know, one of those situations where I think last week all but one team, uh, LaBelle, was in, still in contention yep. for this thing. But Estero comes away with their first district title in 20 years. The last time they won was when Matt Prater yep. was kicking for them. This is back in 2001. That was, I believe, when they made a pretty 
pretty deep run in the playoffs. I think they went to the state semifinal. The state semifinals. That was kind of their last great, really good team. By the time I arrived six years later, they had kind of hit the depths. They had lost 20 straight games when I got here. But first, I'm sorry I forgot to mention, let's go over everything that did happen on Friday night. We had five local teams that were going for district championships on Friday, this past Friday. Week, what was that, week nine? Yeah, Correct. Yeah. Um, four of them took care of business. The only reason five didn't was because two of them were playing each other. Naples and South were playing for that 6A14 championship. Naples won to win their 11th straight district championship. Lehigh beat Palmetto Ridge in Class 7A to win the 7A12 district championship. Astero beat Island Coast in a wild one. We're going to get to 43-40 to to win the 5A, I think, 14 championship. It doesn't really matter. And then in 8A, Gulf Coast was eliminated. So the 8A local district championship has not been decided. That's going between Venice and Riverview, but it doesn't matter to us because Gulf Coast has been eliminated. So as far as we are concerned in the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, all the districts are taken care of. Dustin, tell me about that wild Estero game and how they came back to win their first district title in two decades. Yeah, they are the Cardiac Cats. They have become known for coming back from these huge deficits in the game against Island Coast. They were down 20-9. They were down 27-17. But that offense just can't be stopped. They ended up winning on an 18-yard touchdown from Matt Wilson to Jason DeClona. Uh, with seconds to go. Uh, they're just getting it done. Coach Nelson said that Kendrick Aganor is, is probably the 5A player of the year in the county, and you know it's hard to argue with over 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns. He is uh, yeah, really getting their offense going. We've talked about those two studs, Kendrick Aganor and Jason Duclona. Aganor, 22 carries for 210 yards mm. on the ground, three touchdowns. But also, I want to give some love to Matthew Wilson, their quarterback, and shout-out to Coach Darren Nelson and what he did this year. They had a returning starting quarterback, Kirk Talley, who did a pretty good job last year for the Wildcats. But he is such a good athlete, Kirk is, that they moved him to other positions. He had some carries on Friday. He's caught some balls. Matthew Wilson, just a sophomore, completes 17 of 24 passes for 224 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He's done very, very well for them, Alex. He's over 1,300 yards passing for the year. You know, one way to describe it is what a turnaround for yep. Astero in this program. And when Darren Nelson took over, you know, this this was a program, you know, that there weren't many high expectations for early on. Astero had been kind of in the midst of a couple coaches in a couple years with Jeff Hanlon, you know, Brad Vojak as a temporary. And then, um, you know, they finally came across Darren Nelson. It's great to see teams turn around, you know, a great storyline. We root for those storylines. But had to have a power five prospect they haven't had that in right. quite a while i mean the last one i can think of and he wasn't necessary well he kind of wasn't power five prospect but he decommitted from a power five program was nick nataro back in 2013 mm. the tight end um when rich dombrowski was there they just seem to come back they seem to thrive in those two minute situations um when the game is on the line and they have their first winning season in nine years you know it's official now even if they lose out they still have a winning season. That's very good for them. Hey, also, I want to mention at the top of the show, I forgot to mention Dunbar. Dunbar also wrapped up its district championship in 6A. We have two local 6A districts. One's mainly Lee County teams. One's mainly Collier County teams. Naples wins the Collier County. Dunbar wins the Lee County. But I want to ask you, Alex, because I believe you were at this game, a battle of, man, two of the best running backs we've seen in a while down here. Both just juniors. We get to see this again next year. Lehigh's. Richard Young, the number one ranked running back in America in his class, and Paul Mutteridge, Jaden Booker, who has you know two, three straight seasons of 1,100 yards, uh, two straight seasons of 1,200 yards. What did you see about Lehigh, who won 48 to 20 over Paul Ridge? 
I saw a Lehigh team that came out ready. Um, you know, offensively and defensively, you know, they held Booker in the first half to 25 yards on 10 carries. I mean, at, when the game was essentially decided, you know, I'll call the second half garbage time because it was a running clock. Um, Booker ran for four times for 88 yards and a pair of touchdowns. So those kind of stats are kind of a little bit misleading when you look at them in the end. Um, you know, we had did an excellent job defending Booker, you know, in the run fit. Um, but Richard Young, man, yet again, rose to the occasion had 240 yards rushing, four touchdowns, and then he did a uh, <laughs> did a Derrick Henry again. He had a <laughs> he had a touchdown pass. Um, you know, in this little wildcat formation, the Bears bit hard on the run, uh, thinking he was going to go right, but uh, Richard Young just decided to find Alex Gonzalez from 10 yards out, um, 25 yards away from 1500 yards. Um, two, he's got guaranteed three games left. I think we should start talking about 2000 here, possibly. Well, his worst game of the year, worst game of the year for Richard Young, a measly 169 yards against a very good Charlotte team. I mean, that's bananas, and that was still averaging 7.3 yards per carry. So if uh, how many games you say he has left? He's guaranteed he has three. So um, two I, regular season, one playoff game? Yes, I think they have four, though. He's I at think. 1475, so he's 525 away. So he needs to average what, like? 160 yards per game, uh, maybe 170 yards per game to, to get that. So that's obviously very doable. Something like that, yeah. But and he'd become the eighth rusher in Lee County to break 2,000 yards in the first one in 11 years. And let's say also 17 rushing touchdowns, four last week against Palmetto Ridge. So very, very good. Jaden Booker, he went over 100 yards, as Alex said. I'm pulling up his stats right now for the season. He's at 13-18. So very respectable, a career high for a kid who's gone over 1,100 yards as a freshman and as a sophomore, but Palmetto Ridge doesn't get it done. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. Dustin, the team that has stamped uh, their ticket into the playoffs is Dunbar. You were there. We didn't necessarily expect this to be close. Dunbar took care of business. They beat Baker 41 to nothing. How's Dunbar looking? Are they kind of hitting that groove as, as they get ready for a first-round playoff game? Yeah, this was a, a nice game for them to have after a couple nail-biter weeks. Uh, they got it done in all three phases. Uh, quarterback Savion Palmer and Landon Winterbottom each threw two touchdown passes. Uh, Bobby Dennis returned a punt for a touchdown. Sean Russ, a pick six. Uh, he also had a touchdown reception. Uh, yeah, they got it done. It's the third week in a row where they held an opponent to a season low in scoring. So that wow. defense is getting better and better and better. And uh, shout out to Caleb Staple for the Bulldogs crossing the century mark. Um, he is the second in school history to do that. So, uh, yeah, he, he's a huge weapon for them. But, yeah, Dunbar was too much for Ida Baker in this one. What was the feeling amongst the uh, Tigers afterwards, either the coaches or the players? Because they were undefeated. They were 6-0. and They're now 7-0. and But their past three wins have been pretty close. They eked out just four-point wins against Fort Myers, South Fort Myers, obviously very good teams, but then North Fort Myers, who has a losing record. Dunbar survives 7-3, to and finally they break out. They win 41 to nothing. Did you get a sense of relief from the Dunbar? I'm not sure because uh, I think they they just kind of expect to win at this point. Ida Baker coach Chuck Fawcett was saying, you know, that's a confident team. And when a team is that confident, they're just rolling. So Coach Sammy Brown said to me after the game, he doesn't care what the score is. If it's 7-6, you know, a win is what it is. Uh, but, yeah, certainly good to see that offense get going. And the, the quarterbacks had great day against the, the Ida Baker secondary. And it's uh, shaping up to be a really good game uh Next week, not this week, but um, next week you're probably going to have an eight and one or a seven and one Lehigh team going up against an undefeated Dunbar team. 
maybe game of the year. You know, this is going to be one heck of a matchup. I think the Tigers do hold Richard Young to a season low in rushing. I do not know what that's going to be. I still think he gets the century mark, though. Um, but, you know, that's going to be a nice little game to, for the RPIs, uh, especially late in the year. Yeah, and let's mention that even though the districts are decided, the playoffs are not. And remember, with this new RPI system the FHSA uses to seed the playoffs, every single game counts towards that score. Even those Week 11 games, which used to mean nothing. I used to hate Week 11 games when the district champ and the runner-up would make the playoffs, but those were decided in Week 10. So why the heck are we playing these Week 11 games? It was so boring. But, yeah, that could decide, you know, maybe if uh, Dunbar gets a, a one seed and home field advantage throughout the region or, you know, a two or three seed, and they have to go to a Miami Northwestern or a Naples. So speaking of Naples, that's an excellent transition, Adam. Thank you very much, Adam. Naples takes care of business against South Fort Myers, 51 to 19. But guys, it really, I didn't get that feeling that it was that much of a blowout while I was there. I put in my story that the South defense did pretty well, held Naples below its season rushing average um, in both yards and yards per carry. Naples jumped ahead with a kickoff return and a safety and then a short field thanks to another good uh, defensive and special team stop. They're up 16 to nothing in the first quarter. They score on the first play of the second quarter, so Naples goes ahead 23 to nothing. After that, it was uh, 28 to 19 the rest of the way. I mean, I, I really got a good feeling from South, even though um, the score looks pretty lopsided. Yeah, I mean, a measly five yards of carry for Naples. I mean, <laughs> right. that's you got to give South credit for that. Um, you know, that's something that opponents have really struggled with all year. Wills May's team, his young team, especially on the defensive line, did a really, really good job. Um, you know, they did the best they could, obviously, you know, just trying to hold the Golden Eagles in check. But, yeah, I was kind of curious, Adam, um, you know, just kind of seeing the game, that kickoff return touchdown, I feel like kind of set the tone, you know, kind of probably put South on their backs a little bit. But, yeah, they forced two fumbles. You know, that's kind of been an Achilles heel for Naples this year. Um, you know, Stanley Bryant lost a pair. Just uh, good to see both teams doing their thing. You know? Yeah, and Stanley Bryant was not happy after the game. I asked him about winning the district title. Obviously, that was good, but he wasn't happy because he knew they didn't do as good as they could have um, on offense or defense, really. The rushing defense, of course, very good. Naples is going to do that. They held Nathan Caster. He finished with – 59 yards, but he had a 40-something yard carry in the fourth quarter. So before that, um, it, it was not good for young Nathan Caster, and even that's his lowest game. But Duncan Smith threw for 112 yards, including a touchdown, and he rushed for a touchdown. That's the South quarterback. So he looks pretty good. This is a game that we could see again. You know, South is um, eliminated from a home game. However, they are still up uh, ranked in the top eight of the RPI, which would get them at, at large bid to the playoffs. So keep looking out for that. So, gentlemen, I want to ask you, we've talked about our district champs. Any other scores from uh, Week 9 that uh, stood out to you that, that you, want to, you want to talk about? Fort Myers beat Charlotte in a very good game. Bishop Rowe got a big win over Cardinal Mooney. St. John Newman kind of states its playoff case, and so does Laley with uh, two wins. But anything else you want to talk about before we move on? Yeah, real quick on that Fort Myers-Charlotte game, uh, you got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, Raynaud Smith had a pair of blocked field goals, including the game. Uh, what would be the game sealer. Um, Greg Delane, the newly minted Georgia Tech commit, broke off a huge touchdown with about just over, I think, two minutes to go or maybe just under uh, two minutes. But the Fort Myers team goes up into the aquarium, as you call it. 
Oh, man. Right. And, and escapes. Thank you for that, for respecting the, the nickname I bestowed on, on the Charlotte home field. And escapes with a 16-14 to 14 win. But let's not overlook this Charlotte team. You know, they're 4-3, and three, but they're 2-1 score games away from being 5-1. and one. Um, Very talented team on the ground. You know, they seem to have had successes throughout some games this season. And, you know, they might be a little bit of a tough out in the postseason. You know, they'll likely be a, looking like a 7 or an 8 seed right now. But if we see a Charlotte Dunbar rematch, or if we see a uh, you know a Charlotte Naples uh, first Ooh, round, that'd be fun. First round game uh, that that would kind of be intriguing. The two running offenses, um, you know, Charlotte's got four guys that are capable, um, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Hold that thought. So we're going to talk playoffs after this break. But Dustin, anything else from Week Nine that kind of tickled your fancy? Uh, something that caught my eye: Bishop Rowe beating Cardinal Mooney uh, 28-17. Uh, the Vikings were down ten nothing in that game, ten seven at halftime, um, and it seems like they're really a second half team coming back to win that one. And whenever I see uh, Deaglin Cameron, second straight week that he's a takeaway. Uh, you know, it makes me smile. He had another great game, another onside kick. Yeah, it's good to see. Really quick, it seems like teams have actually finally figured out how to cover Chris Graves. If you have not seen the picture of what Cardinal Mooney decided to do against Chris Graves, go to our Instagram, which is News Press Sports, and you will see, uh, you know, a way they decided to cover Chris Graves that I, I've never seen before. And, and he still scored a touchdown in the game. Yes. <laughs> impressive. Very impressive. All right, well, Bishop Rowe, another team that kind of stated its playoff case. We're going to break down those playoff RPI standings when we come back from this break. Let's go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at naplesnews.com, news-press.com, and by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. What's up, everyone? Welcome back into the uh, second half of the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast, Week Ten, Episode Eleven. This is the final week of district games. However, as we discussed at the top, that don't matter. These districts have already been decided, as far as we're concerned. Championships have been handed out, but these games do matter for making the playoffs. We've got teams that have been eliminated from uh, district title contention that are still trying to grab an at-large bid, specifically. In our 6A region, where you've got teams like Fort Myers and South Fort Myers that are going to be in, uh, can Golden Gate and Baron Collier? Baron Collier had a big win last week. They were ranked 10th the week before. We have not seen this week's RPIs as we record this, but can the Cougars jump up? Lately got a win. Can they jump up? Alex, you have broken down right now what we have, what the potential first-round games would be. What would 6A look like? 6A is kind of looks like it's decided in terms of the top three. Looking like Dunbar will be the top seed if they win out. Naples, you know, they're going to lose a little bit of ground this week. I expect them to in the um, the opponent win percentage column. A lot of the teams that they played, Gulf Coast, um, Fort Pierce Westwood, Golden Gate, you know, they all were handed losses. Well, this they're week. also, let's say, Naples is hosting East Lee as a losing record, Correct. and that is their final regular season yeah. game, unless Naples adds a game. Um, so, yeah, that's going to hurt their uh, opponent's winning percentage. And, and that sets up kind of a, that sets up the drama for um, this two versus three. You know, if Miami Northwestern can pull off a win in the Greater Miami Athletic Conference Championship against Central, that puts them in 
decent position to maybe overtake Naples and force the Golden Eagles to head to Traz Powell. Um, but yes, Dunbar, Naples, Northwestern right now, the top three seeds. Um, Coconut Creek in 6A15 looking like the four. Um, they would play host to South Fort Myers, which would be a little bit of an intriguing backstory. Um, Willis May going back to Broward County for mm. the first time since Parkland. Um, then you have Fort Myers at the six, slated to go to Traz Powell to take on Northwestern. Charlotte taking on Naples, which would be a uh, intriguing matchup. And then right now, um, Plantation is the eight seed, but um, I would expect that to change. I think Bell and Jesuit would get a first round rematch with Dunbar. Um, Plantation plays Dillard this week, and I don't expect that to really be much of a contest at all. So I will say, I'm looking at last week's RPI. Of course, as you're listening to this, the RPIs may be out for this week, but Miami Northwestern was uh, seeded fourth in uh, that 6A region. Of course, South Fort Myers in front of them lost. Naples is at number two, but the difference between them is less than 0.04 percentage points. Now, that means nothing to you, but I do these uh, rankings every week. Teams usually with the win or a loss go up or down by you know anywhere between 0.01 to 0.03 percentage points. Mm -hmm. If Miami Northwestern beats Miami Central, that's a huge win, um, not only for your winning percentage, but your opponent's winning percentage. And Naples, they're going to beat East Lee. That's going to drop them a little bit because East Lee has a uh, lower winning percentage. It's not inconceivable that Miami Northwestern grabs that two seed. Ooh, man, that would be tough for Naples to have to go on the road in the second round. It definitely would be. And, you know, one thing, Naples has topped out in terms of win percentage. You know, Miami Northwestern is yeah. going to make up more ground. They're at 750 right now. That's going to go up to 777 um, with their win last week over Carroll City. But, yeah, um, you know, it's going to be intriguing. It's a huge week. Um, Northwestern played a pretty good defensive game against Central the last time they forced four fumbles. That would make an interesting matchup, whether it's you know on this side or if it's over at Traz Powell with Naples and Northwestern. Can the Bulls force you know some fumbles against that Golden Eagles team? Uh, but do you want to go to five A now, or you want? Well, to go I want to ask Dustin about Fort Myers because they host North Fort Myers, who's a, a pesky team, especially against other uh, strong Lee County six A teams. We saw North Fort Myers put up a really good fight against Dunbar last week, and Fort Myers has not sealed this by any means. If they lose out or lose their next two games, and Baron Collier wins a couple more, and and you know Charlotte wins, they could slip out of that top eight. How focused does Fort Myers need to be to stave off uh, North Fort Myers this week, Dustin? Well, after the Dunbar loss, uh, Sam Sirianni was like, it's a four-game season now. Um, and they've had that determined mentality, even if it's, uh, you know, it's come down to an untimed down against Charlotte last week. Um, so I, I think they'll come into this North game focused. But that North team, you know, we know what potential it has. We saw the first... Uh, game of the season against Lehigh, and we expected maybe they'd be putting up numbers like that on offense every week. That hasn't been the case, but I, I think they're going to come ready for this. So I don't think uh, Fort Myers expects this to be easy. And you know, a reminder that North won this game last year, so it's going to going to be an interesting one. Now, could we see um, potential for was it a 2019 when Gulf Coast knocked Barron out in the final week and South slid in as the eight? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything could happen. I believe those teams probably play again. They usually play that uh, Catfish Bowl in week 11. Um, it's going to be a wild two weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun, especially in 6A. That's why we're talking it now, because 12 of the top 16 teams are from Southwest Florida. But that's not the case in 5A, where Estero gets a top four seed by virtue of winning a district. But if they hadn't yes. won district, they wouldn't have even, even made the playoffs, correct? Yeah, they're looking. It's a very South Florida heavy region if it weren't for district champions Astero would be sitting as an eight seed right now 
with a first-round matchup against Killian, but they are a four-seed with a likely first-round matchup against Stranahan and FSU commit Omar Graham Jr., who has double-digit sacks on the year. But yeah, it's uh, Miami Killian number one, American Heritage number two, Miami Central at the three, Estero four, Stranahan five, Boynton Beach at six, North Miami Beach at seven, and Key West at eight. So kind of uh, some intriguing matchups there um central wins they'll probably overtake heritage uh, but yeah i think you know that's going to be the region whoever gets out of it is the state champion and let's say the only other local team in that region that has a chance of a playoff spot is cypress lake they were ninth last week they won on friday however they beat a labelle team that has just one win that's going to drop their opponent's winning percentage um so Cypress Lake would need to sneak up there into that top eight. Alex, I want to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot. We have not discussed this outside of the podcast, but do you have the current matchups for the lower class districts or regions, I'm sorry, that don't have districts? Because we haven't talked about them yet. I'm talking about 3A and 2A. What do you got there? Yeah, uh, we'll start with 2A. Um, Looks like... Perhaps we're guaranteed to have a state semifinalist here. First Baptist and Community School own the top two seeds. Um, That might change with Community School with their stunning loss to Bayshore um, last Thursday. That I don't think any of us really saw that one coming. Um, You know that was a two and five Bayshore team. Uh, But yeah, Northside Christian at three, Bradenton Christian at four, Sefner Christian at five, and SFCA entering this past week was six, but they're surely to drop out. Um, and Newman will slide into that spot because of the head-to-head and how close they were. Um, I expect Newman to overtake the Kings there with a first-round matchup slated for against Northside Christian. The uh, top two teams in these regions, per se, do get buys. And let's say, you know, we're talking about Week 10 right now, First Baptist and Community School play each other this week, so you, you would think the uh, winner of that would probably slide up into that number one spot. Who knows? Dustin, man, tell me a little bit. I'm putting you on the spot as well. Tell me about Evangelical Christian. They can't they can't lose anymore. Can they hop up into the top six? I was hoping you'd ask me about them because they are coming off of uh, two very big wins. Two weeks ago, uh, an upset of Newman. This week, they beat Gateway Charter 16-13. What's really standing out is that defense. The last four weeks, uh, they've only given up an average of 14 points. Miles Graham getting it done. He's <laughs> leading the team in rushing and in receiving yards. Um, but uh, they have a really interesting stretch uh, to, to close out the season uh, this Friday against uh, SFCA and then to finish the season against CSN. If they win and, you know, they're they're kind of rounding into form right now, you know, look out for them because they are starting to come together. Yeah, that's huge. ECS uh, comes into this week ranked ninth in the Class 2A Region 3. Of course, the top six make the playoffs. They play SFCA and community school who are ranked above them in that region. So those are going to be huge games. If they can win those, I think the Sentinels get in the playoffs. Alex, how about Bishop Verreau? We think they're pretty, uh, especially after a big win over Cardinal Mooney, who was ranked behind them in Class 3A uh, Region 3. We think the Vikings are probably pretty solidly in there, right? Yeah, we do. Um, Looking like a first-round playoff game for them to host against Tampa Catholic. But one of the uh, more intriguing situations here, they can go up against Clearwater Central Catholic for two times in three weeks. Um, Right now, CCC is the two-seed. They play each other on November 5th. Vero will travel up there to take them on in the regular season. But if uh, Vero gets past Tampa Catholic at home and... You know, they, that would set them up. They'd have to go up there again and play them. So it'll, that'll be uh, somewhat intriguing because it's very hard to defeat a team twice, you know, even three times in the season. 
So Burrow's humming right now. They they're on a bye this week. Um, you know they they get time to rest before the playoffs. And um, yeah, I think you know they're in good shape to at least host a first round playoff game, assuming Carol Wood Day and Cardinal Mooney kind of stay a little bit below them in the RPI. Absolutely. So quickly, Class 8A, we don't care about. Gulf Coast has been eliminated, and they were ranked 12th in that region uh, anyways before a loss this past Friday. Probably not going to make that top eight to make the playoffs. And then Class 7A, Region 3, Lehigh won the district championship. They are uh, guaranteed a first-round home game. Palmetto Ridge was 13th in the region um, before losing to Lehigh. Riverdale was 14, and they won last week. But, Alex, who would uh, Lehigh play as of right now? As of right now, um, it's definitely going to change because Armwood did beat Wharton. Uh, This is Mm. two Tampa area teams. Uh, Armwood's defensive line is very talented, but they were the seven seed coming in. Wharton was the five. Um, I expect a little bit of a shakeup in that uh, that loaded 7A10, which is looking like it's going to have four representatives in uh, 7A Region 3. But Lehigh right now... The two seed, um, they you know they would probably play a, a Wiregrass Ranch team, but you know they can host two playoff games if they get past Wiregrass Ranch. They would probably play host to uh, Mitchell, which is uh, Newport Ritchie, but they get four playoff games. You know Richard Young's in good shape for two thousand. You know that's uh, that's one thing. You know that's a storyline that would be very unique to witness. And of course, that is contingent. They got they got to win out probably to grab that two seed, and it's not going to be easy. They have Dunbar in that final week of the regular season. So we will break down the games a little bit more next segment when we do our predictions. So come on back for more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week. Go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. Let's go! What up, what up, what up? Welcome back in to the final segment of the 11th episode of the fourth season of the Inside South of Florida Football Podcast. It's predictions time, and last week we had a first on the season. I think it's safe to say that we've all kind of struggled at times this year, but um, other times we've done well. We've been up and down. Alex was as up as you can be, as high as a kite. He went 10-0 and last week. Dustin went nine and one, very respectable. That's probably one of the better records we'd had. I was seven and three. That's pretty good for me, because as you can tell, I'm not very good at my job. Alex, ten and zero last week. How you feeling? It's comeback season. I guess it must be you. But you only made up one game on Dustin because he did so well, nine and one. So Alex makes up a game on Dustin with two weeks left in the regular season. Dustin is up four games on the competition. Dustin is sixty three and twenty two, picking games this season. Alex, fifty nine and twenty six. Adam Fisher, still not great, 51-34. and 34. But I'm going to do it this week. I'm going to go 11-0, even though we're only picking 10 games. That's how good I'm going to be. Starting with the small school showdown, Dustin filled us in on SFCA at ECFs. SFCA has come down to earth a little bit uh, recently after starting 4-1. and one, They lost to LaBelle. I believe they lost to St. John Newman. And ECS is on fire. Dustin, who are you taking in this game? Yeah, this is one of the tougher ones to pick. Uh... I think I'm going to go against the grain and, and pick SFCA because I think ECS being hot, uh, SFCA suffering a couple tough losses, maybe a little deceptive. So I'm going to go with the Kings. Seems like they're due for a rebound. You know, they seem to turn the corner a little bit. They pick up back-to-back wins over 
two teams that seem to like to you know air out the ball a little bit. The Kings' schedule is somewhat deceptive. You know, coming into this one, they had you know an opponent. Their opponent's win percentage was brutal. Um, you know, it was it was not good by any means. It was point two three three in the latest you know RPI. Um, that's going to lead me to pick ECS at home. I think the Sentinels are going to keep riding this hot streak. I think they finally seem to have found what you know what they've been looking for all year. You know, Miles Graham doing a solid job. Ernest Graham making the necessary adjustments. I'm going to take ECS. Well, we knew they had talent coming into the year, ECS. Um, but I'm just kind of based on the season as a whole. I've liked what I've seen and as a whole, maybe not as of late. I liked uh, SFCA better, what I've seen from them. So I'm going to take the Kings, but I do like that we have a little variety. Lemon Bay at St. John Newman. Newman, a team we talked about in that Class 2A region who is trying to uh, jump back into the playoffs. They should be in top six. And guys, I did not realize until I looked this up right now, Lemon Bay is 7-0. and That's stunning because Lemon Bay has always been kind of that team that uh, our uh, Southwest Florida teams have beat up on since I moved down here. Uh, either one of you guys, tell me anything about Lemon Bay. That's what I thought. That's Eight, right. <laughs> Eighteen points surrendered on yeah. defense. <laughs> I noticed 18. that. Well, crap! They were nine and two last year. I, I, I guess I just stopped paying attention to Lemon Bay about five years ago, and they've uh, snuck up and got good on me. I don't know, Alex. I'm gonna let you go first here. But, but I will say this again: opponent win percentage thirty point three oh five. You know ah. that, that that's that's pretty bad. Um, you know, this is the team that's played Desoto County, Gateway, Sarasota, Booker, Lake Placid, Avon Park. Um, Bayshore, St. Stephen's, not the most impressive resume by any means. Um, whoever their athletic director is did a great job at scheduling. You know, you're almost inclined to take Newman here because it's a home game for the Celtics. They know their playoff implications. This is essentially a must win. Or if uh, SFCA beats CCS, maybe that they uh, flip yet again. Maybe SFCA slides back into that sixth spot. So I am going to gamble here, and I'm going to take Newman Although, uh, you know, I could see Lemon Bay winning this one. How about you, Dustin? Yeah, I can't pick against a team that has scored 283 points to giving up 18 points all season. Uh, Yeah, that's just tough to pick against. So, yeah, I I got the Manta Rays on this one. And I will say uh, Newman lost 42 to nothing at Lemon Bay last year. I think uh, Newman's better than that, better this year. However, I also am taking the Bay of Lemons. Dunbar at Cape Coral. I don't know that this is going to be close, but uh, it's a county matchup. Those are always fun. Dustin, uh, how many points will the Seahawks win by? <laughs> Unfortunately for the Seahawks, even though they've been playing better, they, they were within a score of North last week. Uh, I'm going to take Dunbar. They are just too hot right now, uh, playing too confident. Yeah, I agree. Dunbar's going to move to 8-0 and set up a huge matchup in Week 11 with Lehigh with the playoff seating on the line. Alex, what about you? Cape will be trying to fight in this one to maybe play spoiler um, in terms of the seating, but I don't see it. I'm going to take uh, Dunbar here to win pretty comfortably. Possibly the game that the Tigers can uh, use to maybe get back on track and um, deny Cape Coral of you know any sort of upset. I think if they shut them out, you know that might be a season low for them in terms of scoring. Could be uh, four straight weeks. Golden Gate at South Fort Myers. This is a district game, and I don't know. Something about this tells me it could be a sneaky, close game. Obviously, we know South is good. They lost to Naples last week, but looked pretty good doing it. Golden Gate has been so hit or miss, so up and down. You know, they had a good performance against uh, Baron Collier, scoring 33 points, even though they lost. Then they score three points against Lele, even though Lele has a very uh, fast and athletic defense. 
Golden Gate is 4-4 four and four after winning, I think, just one game last year. Alex, am I crazy? I mean, will this be close at all? It's really unsure, but I, I think it does have potential. You know South's going to want to turn the corner after last week, turn the page. You know, I think they do do that. But, you know, they're going to have to stop Tyler Coleman. You know, he's a he's a 1,000-yard rusher, one of, I believe, five in the area. That's wild. If I, That's if a I'm lot. counting correctly, yeah, Booker, Young, Aganor, Coleman, and Staple. That's mm-hmm. five. I think South's defensive line is – I think they had a lot of positives to take away despite the Naples loss. I think uh, they're going to get it done here at home and maintain that five seed. How about you, D-Terrain? Yeah, so uh, Golden Gate struggled last week with the Laley defense, and I think uh, South is going to provide another challenge to them. So I like South here. I'm going to stay with you, Dustin. Mariner at Cypress Lake. Uh, We did mention Cypress Lake kind of fighting for its playoff life. Uh, I think a loss would pretty much eliminate them. Even a win doesn't guarantee they jump up into the uh, top eight in that 5A region three. But can Mariner, what what do they need to do to – to make this a good game. I'm pretty confident taking uh, Cypress Lake here. Uh, their offense is getting better with each week. Kind of playing some weaker defenses, but, you know, they're building confidence in that unit. So I, I like them uh, to win this. Of course, Mariner last week uh, lost 19-6 to to Bonita Springs. They are 2-6. and six. So I am inclined to agree with Mr. Dustin. How about you, Alex? I- I'll- I'm taking Cypress Lake. I- I'm in unison. Uh, the Cypress Lake defense... Might have a really good game here. I'm going to say they're going to have three takeaways in this one. Mm. Um, you know, the Panthers are going to, you know, they're going to keep fighting. They're going to try and perhaps oust, um, you know, North Miami Beach or Key West in that tough 5A South Florida region. You know, I'm going to take the Panthers. I think they keep their playoff hopes alive. Another game that I think could, uh, a few weeks ago, we wouldn't have guessed it would have been close, but I think it might be kind of fun. Riverdale at Palmetto Ridge, two teams in a district, both eliminated the district that Lehigh's won there in 7A. Last week, uh, Riverdale beat Northport, who's not great. They're 2-7, and seven, but the week before that, they only lost by five points at Port Charlotte. Um, Riverdale is, you know, kind of been sneaky. They beat North Fort Myers this year. Palmetto Ridge, we, I don't never know what to make of them. If you can stop Jaden Booker, you're set. And that's what teams have been doing. They, they just stack the box. But 11 men in the box if you have to. Uh, Alex, do you think that Riverdale, that, that this will be a close one? Uh, it's almost like a toss-up. Because you don't know how teams are going to respond after they know they've been eliminated. Um, it, it just feels like one of those games where, you know, Riverdale always plays for pride. You know, it doesn't matter – you know what their record is but um you know i think they have a chance to make some noise although i'm going to take palmetto ridge i know riverdale has 11 takeaways on defense but i just think Jaden booker i think he's out for i don't want to say he's out for blood necessarily but he's out for revenge he wants to get back to his standards get over 1500 yards on the year which he will do friday night nice i like uh, adding numbers to the prediction dustin what about you yeah, uh, just a shout-out to Riverdale. Uh, Tyler Abrams, uh, starting at quarterback, threw four touchdown passes this week. So that, that's pretty good for a guy uh, getting a start late in the season. Uh, and Jaheim Clark getting a done on offense and defense. So they're starting to come together. But I, like the Bears here, um, I think I give the edge to them because it's it's a home game. Yeah, and I, I agree with what Alex said about, you know, how will teams respond? Palmetto Ridge has too much pride. They have Riverdale, then they have the Battle of the Gate which is, of course, a big one against Golden Gate, and I think Jaden Booker has big games both times. I'm taking the Bears. Baron Collier at Laley, a fun little rivalry, two of the older schools uh, in Collier County. Baron Collier can put up points. Laley can't, but they can stop teams from putting up points. How do you see this one going, Alex? 
Ugh. Again, this is two different styles. Uh, you know, a power run against spread offense that that likes to spread it out a little bit, and you know, got multiple receivers. Huge, huge game in terms of you know playoff implications. Perhaps one of these teams sneaks in as an eight seed. It seems like you know that's the only plausible option for either. Uh, but you know, this year Baron Collier is has one loss on the road. They are three and one on the road this year. I say they go to four and one. I think Baron has turned it around. I think the Cougars are going to get it done. I like that. Um, let's say that I think the loser of this is pretty much eliminated from the playoffs, and even the winner, it's going to be a hard time getting in. But Baron Collier, if they want to get in, as we said, they were ranked 10th this week coming into this week. they got to win twice against Laley, against Golf Coast. I also am going to take Baron Collier. And, hey, shout-out to uh, Baron Collier running back Ernst Derville, who has 858 rushing yards, so he can get to 1,000 uh, this season as well. Dustin, how about you? Yeah, I hate to give Alex the chance to, to come back on me, but I'm going to take Laley nice. here. They've had a tough schedule this year, and I think you know that's going to go a long way towards this, uh, this important stretch at the end of the season. So the hottest rivalry, the biggest rivalry in all of Southwest Florida, the Jaws versus Pauls. Bonita Springs at Astero. Dustin, or Alex, I know you grew up, you know, just hating Bonita Springs and this vaunted rivalry The last, I think it dates back to 1903. How much do you want to beat, or does Astero want to beat Bonita Springs in this historic rivalry? The third edition. Seems like it's a become a rivalry game uh, in terms of pride. It seems like uh, this, uh, this will be another sold-out game, you know, the first time it... At Estero, I was actually there for that game, uh, covering, and, you know, it was a pretty crowded stadium. Probably the largest crowd that, you know, has been at Jeff Summer Stadium in quite a while. Maybe a potential trap game for Estero. Maybe Benito wants to play a little bit of spoiler here and, um, you know, de- deny the Wildcats of uh, any momentum going into the playoffs despite, you know, them having clinched. But you got to go with the home team here. If this is a one-possession game, you know, Estero thrives in those situations. I'm going to take the Wildcats at home to get it done. How about you, Dustin? Yeah, uh, good on uh, Benita Springs getting back in the win column. Um, Alec Butch, uh, a player who never comes off the field, had a great game for them. Uh, but I'm going to take Astero here because no one, no team in that district has been able to stop that offense, and I don't expect that to change. I do want to shout out Benita Springs. They are 3-3 three and three their past six games, but their three losses all by one possession, and one of them was in overtime. So they're playing well, even though they haven't quite gotten as many wins as they would hope. I don't think they're going to get a win this week. Astero wins, and let's say this is Astero's last regular season game, so they can close out the year 7-3 and three before going to the playoffs. North Fort Myers at Fort Myers. Dustin, you talked about it earlier, but tell me who you're picking to win. This is tricky because both teams have been a little scratchy even in wins uh, this year. But uh, Sam Sirianni at home, got to go with the green wave. How about you, Dustin? Or I'm sorry, Alex. Still, uh, the past dating back to 2019, after Sam Sirianni starts two and two in each of the past three seasons, he's undefeated in the regular season. Um, you know, really hard to go against that Nugget. Um, Fort Myers at home this year has been pretty well, aside from that South Fort Myers game. You know, if they score, you know that it was a 35-24 game, pick six sealed it. But if they score in the closing seconds, they win that one. They were you know inside South's uh, 20 yard line. Um, you know, I think this Fort Myers team is getting a little bit overlooked by uh, by some, but I'm going to take the Greenies at home. It's just too hard to go against them, and, you know, Sam Sirianni gets these guys ready when they need to be ready. I agree with everything both of you said. 
However, I've seen North Fort Myers just mess up stuff too often. Even in a season like this where they're down, you know how talented they are. You know how much these rivalry games mean to them. They almost knocked off Dunbar, and they like to just throw a wrench in the works and screw things up, and I think they're going to mess up Fort Myers' playoff chances and hopes. I'm not saying Fort Myers is going to miss the playoffs, but I do think North Fort Myers will get this done and get a huge win, win of the year for them. Our game of the week, a game I feel that we haven't given enough credit to or talked about enough, and it lost a little bit of the shine when Community School lost last week. Community School at First Baptist, a big, big rivalry. These schools are less than half a mile away. You can see one football field from the other. Very cool situation there on Livingston Road in North Naples. CSN, uh, as I said, this was supposed to be the battle of undefeateds, the showdown of undefeateds for the number one seed and a bye in the playoffs. Now, of course, FBA has a firm grip on the number one seed as they remain undefeated, but CSN took a loss last week. Alex, what do you see from this one? Yeah, I mean, two. you got two one-loss teams. Um, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I, mean, I said FBA was undefeated. They lost to Bishop Rowe. Apologize. But still, um, you know, FBA's got a pretty solid resume. Um I think, you know, we expected CSN to to handle business and they didn't last week and I think, you know, they're they're playing a relatively weaker schedule, you know, not impressive by any means playing Oasis and Canterbury and you know, I mean, EC, ECS is starting to look like a better game week by week even when they already played, but um you know, last year see I think it's going to be the same old song and dance with CSN last year undefeated going into their game against First Baptist, they get walloped 42 to 7. And then two weeks later, they lose to Champignot, 67-7. to I think it'll kind of be a similar outcome this time. I think FBA exploits too many matchups. Here, I'm going to take the Lions. And I will say, I don't believe these teams like each other very much. No. It's that uh, small, uh, Not small school, private school rivalry. I, there was a shouting match between coaches at one point a few years ago, which was very fun to witness. And, hey, also, I want to put a plug in here. CSN has an NFL coach on their sidelines, a coach mm-hmm. who won a Super Bowl championship you can go to naplesnews.com slash sports right now or maybe Thursday and read my story to find out who that is and what he's done for those Seahawks. I also will take FBA for all the reasons Alex mentioned. How about you, Dustin? Well, it was a little concerning last week that uh, First Baptist was up 30-8 to against American Collegiate and ended up winning 30-22. Um, so there are some question marks there. But uh, I, I like First Baptist just because uh, that Ty Keller Olson Henry connection is, is pretty strong, and uh, it's tough to to play against. So yeah, I'm going with them. That was another game that um, I was stunned how close it was. American Collegiate was an independent. Um, I don't know if FBA was kind of overlooking them, just getting ready for CSN, just like you know maybe Penn State was with Illinois playing Ohio State the next week. But they almost fell into the trap. You know that if they would have lost that one, that would have. Uh, you know, that would have been ugly, and, you know, that might have changed the complexion of that 2A region. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see, and all these big games are going to have huge playoff implications, and you can find out the scores of all of them by following our live scoreboard on Friday night at naplesnews.com slash sports and news-press.com slash sports. Of course, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We put all our content up there. It's very fun. Post all our game highlights. Uh, it's very enjoyable to watch, and we appreciate you guys listening, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.